Hey guys, I want to thank you for downloading this Back to Jerusalem podcast. This podcast is a, a, not an easy one to listen to for a couple of reasons. One, the content is hard. Um, if you've got young children in the car or in the area with you that can hear this, you you might want to just be a little cautious because the the nature of this podcast about the killing of Christians is difficult for some listeners. Also, uh, when I did this podcast, I called the phone of the individual that we actually did the interview with, and the reception in Western Africa is not all that good. There might be times where the sound drops, and it, you might think that the podcast just ends abruptly. It doesn't. And so I'm just going to beg that please have patience on this podcast. The technical difficulties are a bit challenging as you listen to it, but I promise the content is worth it. So remember that as you listen to this podcast. Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable. That's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. You better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accepted. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Sweden. But it's not Sweden that I'm talking about today. It's actually going to be West Africa, where unfortunately I've been seeing on the news over and over, and many of you as listeners have been seeing it as well, uh, the number of Christians that have been dying uh, in Nigeria has been disturbing, and yet... We don't hear a lot about it on the on the news, and that's why I've asked a, a friend of mine that I've been contacting, you know, back and forth for a while on Facebook. But this is the first time that I've ever had him on the Back to Jerusalem podcast. Alameda, thank you so much for being with us, brother. I'm so excited to talk Hello. to you, and it's such good, a privilege. Good afternoon. good afternoon from Lagos, Nigeria. Lagos, Nigeria. Okay, are you close to the ocean? Yes. Can you see the ocean where you're at? Uh, no, no, no. I'm closer to the lagoons. I'm not near the ocean. Not near the ocean. Okay, so you're close to the I'm lagoons. Not near the ocean right now. Okay. Uh, yeah, it, you must be in a in a very beautiful area then. Uh, not exactly. Not exactly. Okay. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm on the outskirts. I'm on the outskirts of Lagos. Okay. Um, it's quieter here. It's not as busy. Okay, yeah, and uh, you know I'm, I, I have a family. I have three kids, and uh, it's, it's really the best place for them. It's not too busy. It's safer. There's less crime in this place, and uh, it's the best. And okay, the property properties, um, the houses are good and rather very affordable. Okay, excellent. So I didn't so, know if you were yeah. like around the Lagos Island area or the the no no Lagos Island is highbrow. Oh, <laughs> Lagos Island is like Lagos Island is highbrow. It's like the um, uh, you know Beverly Hills and everything. Okay, okay. <laughs> you know? Yes, but yeah, it's, it's highbrow. It's rather rather expensive. 
Well, I mean, I know that uh, there uh, there are people that are listening to this podcast. Most of the people that listen to this podcast, of course, they're more focused on China or maybe the Middle okay. East or Asia. Um, but now looking at Nigeria, one of the things that have put Nigeria kind of on the radar for me is that, you know, you're talking about one of the most populated nations in the world. You guys are number three yeah. when it comes to children okay. under 18. So uh, with with the children population that you have under 18, you fall under China and India, but you're number three. That's pretty big. You're the top 20 uh, economy in the world. Uh, you have a, yep. one of the largest populations in all of Africa. And you guys have been yep. seeing um, some really hard times for Christians, you know, in Nigeria. What what can you share with us about that? Hmm. Well, for one, um, you must understand the fact that our, our faith, um, the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, is non-violent and it's also non retaliatory Amen. Amen. So sometimes um, when we are attacked, we don't we don't fight back. You know, we just forgive and move on. You know, and just love um, oppressors, basically. You know? So for the killing of Christians in Nigeria, it's it's something that's um, um, ramping up seriously. It's in the north, in the north of Nigeria, and it's coming into the middle belt of Nigeria. That's the middle of Nigeria. It's looking very, very serious. The the they report attacks like once every two weeks, but it's actually every week now. Okay, every week. And, um, oh, it's every week. It's every week. It's every week. But the thing about it is that you won't hear about it unless you are a journalist. For instance, our journalists in this country don't take the risk of being around those areas anymore. You know, so journalism in Nigeria has taken a nosedive, okay, um, especially with the level of corruption and the dangers out there. You know, we don't trust our journalists, so what we have to depend upon is, is on the grapevine, like our missionaries in the field, et cetera, et cetera. Let me just say something. Um, last week, um, from around the 23rd, we had a missions conference here in Lagos where we brought 209 missionaries from all over West Africa and other parts of Africa to Lagos for four days of training and pampering. You know, we had missionaries that couldn't come. Why? From the middle belt, the place called Niger State, right, dead center of Nigeria. They couldn't come because um, their fields have been attacked, their villages have been attacked, and they couldn't leave. They were hiding out in the bushes. So there was no way for them to leave the fields to get to where they could transport themselves to Lagos. You know, so they couldn't attend. They couldn't attend. Um, they couldn't attend the missions conference. And this was last week. This is last week. We're talking about Wednesday, Thursday, last week. But I've checked everywhere. I've checked the news. I've checked everywhere. There's no word about it. You know, then again, there were killings again on Saturday. Saturday in Adamawa State, right? Churches, churches went, and villages were sacked. People were killed and abducted. And um, it's not... It's not on the news at all. When I say that, it's not on the news at all, at all. And we have pictures. We have pictures, right, of what, what actually went on, right? The only thing we're careful of doing now is not taking pictures of their bodies all the time. You understand what I'm saying, you know? But the destruction and everything, we have pictures. I have them on my phone. Well, what happened on Saturday night in Adamawa, you know? Um, so it's, it's, it's sad. It's Sad. Uh, um, all, all guys, what we believe is this, eh? um, 
Jesus is not surprised by the persecution. Um, Jesus is not in shock concerning what right? He has a strategy. He has a he has strategy, he has a plan. We will on Sunday before saying goodbye to them from the north, um, places like Kabuna. Right? And places like uh, Yubi, you know? And I was in tears, actually, because because these women are going back, you know, to these places. I'm not sure if I'm going to see them again. I'm not sure if these, if these wonderful gentlemen are going to, we're, we're going to, well, I'm, I'm going to see them again next year, if they're going to be alive. So... That, I mean, what you are sharing is, is I mean, such a, a tragedy that we haven't been hearing about it. It's, it's, it. It really breaks my heart that we have not been hearing about this. And uh, my prayers are with you, brother. My prayers are with you right now that I pray that the Lord just comfort you and, and shed his grace upon you and be with you during this time. Uh, this, we have seen so much you know, news about things that don't really matter almost every day filling our news feed, filling our news sites. And yet this, with innocent people, uh, yeah, I, I can hear the emotion in your voice. I can hear you uh, on the other side getting emotional about this, not, not seeing your friends when they, when they leave from the conference and come back. Um, we, we have a little bit of technical difficulty um, where you're at, I don't know if the reception is that good, but we're willing to just push through this, uh, just to hear what you have to say and listen to. I, I just, I just wanna, just wanna. I, I have a, I have a, I have a, I have a friend. He's a, he's a mission, mission director. He has a mission agency called King Missions. He's also the chairman of a Nigerian um, evangelistic, evangelical, sorry, mission agency called Nema um, in Mina, Mina, which is the capital of Niger State here in Nigeria. And we were together during the conference and he's a very confident man, you know, loving totally. But when I saw him during the conference, he was broken. He was totally broken. And he, he had to move his missionaries out of the field from Niger State. Niger State is not called North, it's Middle Belt. And he was just broken. And he said to me, he, came, he called me personally, and he said, you let me do, they're killing us, they're killing us, they're killing us. And I was like, I just held myself together. Wow. Like, so, wow. I to plan, but I said, some of the people here, a friend of his was killed. I said, what happened? He said he was in, he was, he was going out of town to a place called Kukumpagra, and his car and had a fault. So he parked on the side of the road and sent the other, another missionary that was with him back to the town to get a mechanic. And by the time the other missionary came back to where the car was with the mechanic, this is friend. His head had been cut off and his eyes had been gouged out. You know? And he said, they're killing us. And I'm like, what do we do? I'm, I'm crying because, you know, Sometimes here in our country, we we learned to I don't know I don't know we just learned to try and find reason you know and some of us just numb ourselves to all what's going on and all that but 
I mean, it's very emotional. Like, don't, I don't really know what to say. So he's moving. He's he's moving away from where he is, and went to some states called Quara State, which is, you know, it's a it's in the southwest, you know, and um, he's moving there. A lot of the a lot of the insurgency in the in northeast and the bandits in the northwest has led to a lot of people running, being displaced in our country, and moving moving south. You know, especially to the southwest. So there are a lot of houses speaking. We call them houses speaking. That's the predominant language that is spoken, um, local dialect in the north. So they're moving to the southwest. So my friend will be coming to the southwest to begin to reach out to these people, right? Who are houses speaking. We're saying we're saying thousands and thousands of people are moving away to find, you know, farmland in the southwest. You know, they're running away from their towns. Um, here in Lagos, for instance, we have thousands of young boys. Who have run away from you know displaced Madamoa and Yobe, where you have the Boko Haram working. Boko Haram is working, I mean, doing what they're doing in Bornu, Yobe, Adamoa. So you find Yobe and Adamoa, young young lads have all run to Lagos, and um, thousands of them are here, you know. And the thing about it, if you can't speak Hausa, you can't really you know reach out to them. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. You know. So we have them here. So. I've been speaking to some of my friends that see we need house speaking missionaries right here in Lagos. Right here in Lagos. There was recently a ban. Let me go further. Um, the Lagos State government banned motorcycles, motorcycle transport, two-wheel transport here in Lagos. They banned them. Why? Because they've gotten security reports that Boko Haram fighters had come to Lagos and they were spreading out. And they were coming in the guise right, of motorcycle riders. I see there are thousands of them here. So, um, February the 1st was, was the, thing, the time the ban was enforced, you know, so no more motorcycle um, transportation on major roads in Lagos. So we found that hundreds of um, northerners are going right back with their motorcycles, right back to the north, right back, you know. But it's, it's what's happened in my country is, is, is getting, uh, is, is, I want to be sincere, it's, it's, it's our churches, I'm being sincere with you here, our churches in the, in the south really are numb to what's happening in the middle belt and in the north. They're totally numb. You know, there's this, um, please don't be offended by what I'm saying. I'm just being as, as real as I can be. Yeah, Very no, and I, I really appreciate that. Can, we, can... We, we've had, we've had the, the extreme prosperity, um, um, what do you call it? Prosperity thing that was being preached. You know the extreme prosperity message, yeah, and that seems to have um, that seems to have really moved into you know our major cities. In fact, even even um, semi urban rural areas in the south that have gotten the gospel have gotten the wrong side of the gospel. Yeah, you know it's all about it's all about you know you. It's all about self help. It's all about your breakthrough and your peace and your so that message will numbs the south to what's happening to our brothers and sisters in the north and in the middle belt it numbs them you know you think about your brothers being killed and you're like oh thank god it's not me thank god god is protecting me thank god that you know god is prospering me thank god it ain't happening to me that's it i tell those kind of strange prayers Oh, see, what, no. see what's happening to people in other places. Wow. Can't you thank God it's not happening to you? I'd be very weird. I find that very weird. Why can you say, thank God that it's, it's not happening to you? Thank God that, oh, you see what's happening to other people, but it's not happening to you. Thank God it's not happening to you. You know, but, but scripture doesn't say that. Scripture says, my brother's going through this. It's happening to me too. Yeah. You know, I, yes. I should, you know, so we've had, we, so in Nigeria, we've had this, 
prosperity, extreme prosperity, you know, ideology. But it's affected um, how we should respond to the persecution that is taking place in the north and the middle belt. You, you do have some churches here, I don't want to mention their names again, who, who are responding. They're praying. They're getting benevolence together. They're getting money together. They're getting clothes together. You know, they're, they're even sending people right into that in the midst of those things, you know, to go out to, to help, to help out. They're, they're going to the um, internally displaced people's camps to give out foodstuffs and clothes and they're sending their doctors in there. Yes, there are people, but on a general, generally, what we know in Nigeria here as, let's call it the Pentecostal church, the evangelical, right? Yeah. Church yeah. is not responding. No, no, no. They're, we're not standing together as one. And people are being killed and people are still having their conventions. People are being killed and people are still having their concerts and their praise shows and acting like nothing happened. And I keep on telling them, if you keep on doing this, you're going to come to a doorstep one day. You know? I just believe that. We have to come together as a family. Come together as one. Right? But um, it's not happening in my country. I'm being very sincere. Yeah, it's not happening here in Nigeria. There's no one voice in the body of Christ. Everybody's doing their own thing, still trying to become famous, still, still trying to build an image, develop a brand, or whatever it might be. It's all like business, you know? I mean, especially here in Lagos, everybody's, who cares who's getting killed? It's, it's like, okay, 30 people got killed the other day, another 50 the other day, another 50 the other day. It's like, no, it's not a big deal anymore. I, I hope you understand what I'm saying. It's like, it doesn't, so, so what? You know, at least as long as, as long as I just got a new car. And this is, this is to me, one of the things, in my opinion, that the enemy is doing um, to subvert us. I am, there's something we always say that the problem with Nigeria, this is one of, the, one of, the, one of our, 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 our views in, 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 in the missions here in Nigeria, that the problem we have is not radical, radical Islam at all, at all. Radical Islam is not our problem. Our problem is superficial Christianity. Okay, if we have, um, if we have, if we have, if we have, if we're radical in our faith, right, we'll beat down, right, this persecution in the north. Mm. Oh yes, let me let me. I'd like to even share more of my thoughts. Yes, please. You know? We, we, this is me talking, all right? Yes. We have this, we have certain philosophies in missions, in the aspect of missions in my country, um, especially, I can speak in my country, that is wrong. Now, the face with which we face the world should be the, the power, the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, okay? But you find that many will go into the field with gifts, mosquito nets, um, um, rechargeable lamps, um, drugs, medicine, you know, to local communities in order to try and, you know, get gain the acceptance. You get that, okay? Now the danger, the danger of that is that gaining your acceptance, right? I'm not presenting the gospel to you. You're not, you're not being, you're not actually being saved and regenerated, right? So you discover that there are mission fields where some agencies have been there for like 20 years, 15, 20, 15 to 25 years. But there is no mature Christian in that in that in that in that village. There's no mature Christian in that string of villages. But the, the mission field and mission agency has been there, right, for over twelve years. Okay. So the question is that what are they preaching when they were there? What are, what are they actually preaching in these places? They're just gathering people 
right? And taking pictures and sending abroad to say, hey, we're doing mission work in this village. But people are not really being regenerated and being discipled, being discipled to follow Jesus. Okay? To me, these are some of the mistakes we've made. We've not taken opportunities. Like, for instance, um, the Quranic school system, right, where they get little, little children as, as young as four and send them off to other states to train them in the Quran in the north is one of the problems we have in this country. But we haven't responded, you know. Um, the lack of education in the north, the lack of jobs in the north, you know, we haven't responded. Even, I mean, where does the Boko Haram recruit from? They recruit from these jobless people. You know, where all these people, where, where do they get their, where do they get their, their manpower from? They get it from people who are just um, jobless, uneducated, roaming up and down the streets. You know, so we as believers just stuck to ourselves, stuck to our state in the cities. Even when we approached these villages, we didn't really tell them the truth, okay, and disciple them. And that is one of the reasons why we're seeing what we're seeing in our country. Are you listening, Sabak? Oh, yes, absolutely. I I mean, I completely Mm. identify and agree with what you're saying. Um, Because, Mm. I mean, when we look at the verses for the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 and 19, everybody always uses those verses as a reason to go out and preach the good news of Jesus Christ. But that's actually not what Jesus said. He said, therefore, go and make disciples. And I think that what what you are talking about falls directly in line with one of the biggest mistakes that we have seen with missions on the ground is that we have not gone to make disciples. Uh, We've gone to do something else. I mean, we can argue about what the something else is, but it's not doing the great commission which God gave us the command to go and do. Let me share something. There's something I shared. While training, while training missionaries and while in conflict, I tell them that, you know, missions, missions, visits and field trips, and it's not tourism. It's not tourism. Someone comes from another country, comes to Nigeria, says he's going to the mission field. He gets to a remote village where we already have a church. He takes pictures, takes pictures, takes pictures, eats with the locals, takes pictures of their food, takes pictures of the bad water, um, attends a service with them and maybe preaches to them, you know, and just, you know, encourages them, keep on following the Lord and blah, blah, blah. Takes more pictures and then goes back to London. And everybody's like, wow. You were in the mission field. You were in a remote village in Africa. Oh, wow. Oh, what a, what a sacrifice you've made and everything. But the question is that when you were on your mission trip in Africa, were you making disciples? The answer is no. You were engaging in tourism. Okay. Because I tell them, if you're going to go to a field, right, make disciples. If there's already something like an assembly there or a church in that remote village, you should be teaching them the gospel of Jesus Christ, intensively, you should add to them, like Paul the Apostle said. You should add to them, add to them, add to them, edify them. Add something to them before you go back to London. Add something to them before you go back to Lagos. Add something. Stop giving out gifts all the time. You understand? We, for instance, where we are, we don't give out um, benevolence clothes to people in villages. We only do it in refugee camps. Because people in villages don't need clothes, actually. They don't need clothes. They have farmland. They have this and that. What they need is um, they need to, to they need God. You know, and I mean, what on the area of welfare? You know, they need strategy. How do I turn my my farm into a business? You know, they need education. You know, they don't they don't need my gifts. 
Jennifer, I don't even need to start, start sending give them clothes all the time, clothes all the time, clothes all the time. The people who need clothes maybe are missionaries and refugees, you know, and displaced individuals. But people in remote villages, right? Their problem is that they just don't have wisdom. <laughs> you know? They just don't have wisdom. You know? So but going go, go, going on, on further, um, there's something going on um here in our country. Um we have so many someone was talking to me about missionaries recently and um I told him, okay, what, what's, what's a missionary? And, I, and, I, and some people didn't even know. They'd gone to mission school and said, they didn't know what, what a missionary is. And I said, okay, what's the ministry gift of a missionary? And they're like, you know, what do you mean he's a missionary? I said, no. The missionary is like, I'm an apostle, an evangelist. They're like, what do you mean? Can you imagine asking me what I mean? And you've got, you spent four years in Bible school. You know, <laughs> that's, why, that's, that's why the missionaries, I'm being very sincere. I've met yeah, no. missionaries who are cold. They think that their work is to go to a remote village and stay there and suffer. They think their job is to be inconvenienced, go into a village and just live in the midst, you know, of, of, of deep rural people. You know, I find that very strange. But then in the city, you see an evangelist, right, who is deeply charismatic, who is on fire. You understand by on fire? He's motivated to reach out to the lost. But missionaries think, oh, my ministry gives to suffering. I need to get into a village stay there and suffer and they're not charismatic at all doesn't so i started training missionaries to make them understand the fact that see in what they call the fivefold or the fourfold gifting right you have a if you've been called as a missionary you're either an apostle or you're an evangelist they're like what i said yes and when you're walking into these rural places you're carrying the very presence and power of god to establish the kingdom of god in these villages Stop, stop facing a village with, 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 I mean, walk in there with confidence, walk in there with boldness. Tell them about Jesus and be in expectation that the Holy Spirit will touch hearts and heal bodies. Amen. And, Amen. And that's the model that we use in our ministry. And it's making, okay, okay, yes, we started two schools in some unschooled communities. We've dug some wells, but we've given out, but that's, that's after. We started our work, sir. Um, there's something. I'm not talking too much. No, no, no. We, I, brother. This is why I brought you on. I wanted to hear from you because this is this, for us, uh, for us, and for our audience. Um, this is this is really the root of who we are. When you are talking about going into unreached areas and sharing the gospel with the fire of the Holy Spirit, this is the very essence of who we are at Back to Jerusalem. Um, just wow. for our audience that does not uh, understand kind of the geographical, spiritual breakup of Nigeria, can you explain where most of the persecution has taken place? You, you've you been talking okay, about a okay. middle belt a little bit. Um, what what okay, does that okay, mean? Okay. All right, so let me explain quickly. All right, Nigeria is made up of 36, 36 states, or you can call them provinces, depending on where you're from or regions, okay? Now, if you, if you know America very well, or if you know, in America it's states, in the UK they call them counties, okay? So Nigeria is made up of 36 states and one, um, like Washington, D.C. We call it a federal capital territory called Abuja. So Nigeria in the north, right it um has the republic of niger at the north chad at the north okay to to our east okay we have cameroon and of course chad 
and to our west we have the Benin Republic. Now the way Nigeria is made up of, right, we have majorly Christians in the south, majorly Christians in the south, okay, then in the corner we have Muslims, okay. So in the middle belt, we have a mixture of the two, in the middle belt, that's in the middle of our country. All right. Now, to go back in history, when Nigeria, this, the Northern Protectorate and the Southern Protectorate of known as Nigeria were brought together to become a country by the then um, Lord Lugard, okay, he was, he was from England, yeah, he was sent to, to be the governor of this area, right? And what, what he did was that, noticing the, the makeup of the Nigerian people, the Southerners were more difficult to rule. Um, the Igbos in the East, the Yorubas in the West. They were more difficult to rule because they were rather enlightened people. Many of them had come back from slavery with degrees. You know, an Ajaic crowd, I heard of Macaulay, people like that, had come back with degrees. They've already started, they've already translated the Bible into Yoruba. You know, Igbos never, Igbos were the people who never had a king, but they, were, they had developed a democratic system, right, hundreds of years, even before the colonials came to Africa. Okay, so the Igbos were very difficult to rule, and the um, Yorubas in the West were also very difficult to rule. But the Muslims in the North were easy to rule through the emirs, we call it indirect rule. So what happened was the governor then, Lord Lugard, right, we're talking about this time, like the 19th century, mentioned that, hey, he doesn't want the missionaries going to the North to preach to the Muslims. Because he had a system in place that worked perfectly. So please don't go and preach to Muslims so they can have their own mind and everything, you know. Um, I want to maintain the emirate, that the emirate, the Muslim system. So you will discover that the first person to actually become, to get a degree, that's what we call a BSc, BA, from a university in northern Nigeria was something like 1940, 1950. But right, right from the 1800s, southern Nigerians had been going to university. You, you discover also that southern the missionaries were the ones that brought education to Nigeria. So the whole of South Nigeria was full of nursery, primary, secondary schools, universities, but the north of Nigeria did not have schools. Let me just go further. That's why in Nigeria, we have what we call the quota system. Somebody who scores a high grade uh, in the south and somebody who scores, they say somebody out of a, I'm, I'm making a point. If somebody scores 100, 95 out of 100 here, okay, let's say 80 out of 100 here in southern Nigeria in an exam, and somebody from northern Nigeria scores 30 out of 100, it's the person in northern Nigeria that will get the place. Because we call it the quota system, because the south has gone beyond the north when it comes to education. Also, poverty in the north is about 80% now. Okay, but in the south, because of the, the education and everything, you discover that southern Nigerians are not entitled individuals. Okay, they go for what they want, right? You see, you see the Nigerians out throughout the world. Those are the southerners that you know. The people they know as Nigeria, that is in quotes, the naughty ones, right? Are from the, they're all from the south. Okay, you know, Nigerians are go-getters. They are charismatic. They are bold. They are confident. You understand? They're outgoing, right? And, um, but the Northerners are not that, like that. They have no education. In fact, if you want Northerners to go to school, you have to pay them to go to school, if you understand. Yeah? So what happened was that it was actually the colonial system 
the colonial power that stopped the missionaries. They said they can't go beyond the Middle Belt, which is a place called the Middle Belt, one major city in the Middle Belt, sorry, one major state in the Middle Belt is called Plateau State. The capital is Jos. So they said the missionaries cannot go beyond Jos. All right? Don't spoil the way um, Britain is ruling Nigeria. Because we allow the missionaries going to the north and preach, it will mess up the Emirates system. We now have free thinkers, you know, in the north. You know, they won't they won't follow there's the way the north works. Everybody does what the Emir says. Right? If the Emir says do this, if the the Quranic Quranic preacher says do this, everybody falls in line. Southern Nigeria, no. You can't just say something everybody does, everybody will think it through. You know, so that's simply what split Nigeria. So we have the Muslims in North. And again, let me go further, in my opinion. The Islam that's practiced in Nigeria, right, is mainly Sunni. It's a Sunni Islam, right, coming out of Saudi Arabia, okay? They're also Shiites, but majorly Sunni. And their brand of Sunni, again, is very oppressive to their own people. That's why there's no development in the North, there are no jobs in the North. Poverty is about 80%. In the south of southern Nigeria, poverty is between maybe 15% or something like that, 15, not up to 20%. In the south, but in the north, it's 80%. You know, their brand of Islam, right, is elitist, okay? And um, they subjugate and oppress their people for their own gain, all right? So it's quite bad when it comes to things like um, disease, sicknesses, and everything in the north, it's, it's, it's bad. It's really bad. The people I don't, they don't think for themselves. And uh, I've worked in the core north. I worked in a state called Zamfara State. And uh, Zamfara was a state where they started the Sharia laws in Nigeria. And the people are really, really, really good people. But when it comes to the religion, right, um, they just not, don't think. Okay? They say kill them, you kill those people. They'll just go ahead and start cutting off heads. But outside of that, they're lovely people. I'm being very sincere. I'm very, very sincere. Even when it comes to the issue of crime, right? Crime is lower, basically, in the north than it is in the south. That's the petty crime, stealing somebody's phone, burglaring somebody's house, you know, arm robbers and stuff like that. You know, it's, 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 it's drugs. It's, it's lower in the north. Yeah, but with the coming of all these Boko Haram and bandits and everything, you know, well, you can understand that the major crime, they're killing people. They're just killing people everywhere. So in northern Nigeria, we have Muslims. In the in the middle belt, we had a mixture of the two, and then the south we have um, Christians, basically, in, in the south. So we find that the north, from the north, attacks come from the north into the middle belt. Okay, we we've had suicide bombers bombing in our, uh, our our version of Washington D.C. our FCT Abuja. We had suicide bombers coming there to come and bomb. Right, we've even had one here in Lagos, and um, you know, it's 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 sad. It's sad. As 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 a mission director, I left the north in two thousand and um, which year was it? Two thousand and seventeen. Um, I left the north. Um, I stopped working in the north. Um, right now, even when I went to the north to go and work recently, I was in Kogi State, which is Middle Belt, and I was just getting to the village who I was to work, and they just they just kidnapped. Two Christians, and I was arriving. They just kidnapped two Christians, and then my host was now was now, you know, negotiating on the phone with the, with the kidnappers. Very horrible feeling, you know, and very horrible. And when I got there, I was being told that I should be careful. They kidnap a lot here. I mean, like a lot. It's Kogi State. I can say that openly. 
you know they kidnap a lot especially especially christians you know and um the good thing is like i actually i actually you know look like a soldier i don't dress like a like a like a preacher at all you know i wear boots and jeans yeah so so i they probably got the impression that this man is either a soldier or, or he's a police officer or something so people basically stayed away from me you know <laughs> But that, but that, but that, <laughs> but that's how it is in our country. And um, can I just add something between our federal capital territory, Abuja, and another major um, state on top of Abuja is, is Kaduna. You can there between April, um, January last year and about the middle of last year, we had over seven hundred people kidnapped on the on that road. Now that's are you shocked? Seven hundred people kidnapped. Yes, 700 people. Wow. Wow. Okay. To the extent that even politicians, even even so, even army officers, they don't go from Abuja to Kaduna by road anymore. They go by train. Now, the drive is like two hours. Okay? But it's, it's a major kidnapping area. Now, the, the, the army and the police did two major, major exercises in that place. They did an exercise, I think, last year, May, June. And they were able to, they arrested about 80, 80 alleged kidnappers. Okay. And they even got a rocket launcher and different AK-47s and a stash of weapons. They did another exercise about two months later. They killed 22 of them and were able to get about another 80 of them. And I'm like, what is going on in our country? You know? And they're moving to different roads now. So there's some particular, when I was working in Niger State, and I called um, some of my mission leaders, Steve Shomide, and he told me, don't pass this road, don't pass this road. You understand? Don't yeah. pass, or you're going to get killed. I've, I've had friends who, who driving from Nastarawa State in the Middle Belt into Abuja, he just finished preaching in a church, and he was driving through the express. He got shot up by Fulani, we called them herdsmen, Fulani just got shot up. All he wanted to do was kill him. He was driving down the road, and they just started shooting he just started, he got, he got two bullets in his knee, okay? He got one, I think, in his shoulder or something like that, yeah? And his car was totally shut up. He was, he was driving on his rims, you know? I'm not joking here. He was driving on his rims. And um, until he got, until he saw the police somewhere and he packed. People were just surprised why he was still alive, you know? So we had, I mean, there was a guy the other day who just got shot up too. He got um, five bullets on his car. Um, into his car, and um, but he said, "Look, I'm alive, and I want to thank God for what the Lord has done for me." So we're having insecurities everywhere, and majorly they're preying on Christians. If there is a bus, for instance, they'll stop the bus. We're talking about in the middle belt in the north. They'll stop the bus, and they'll say, "Who's a Muslim here?" All right, Muslims get down. If you're a Christian, and they'll cut off their heads or shoot them in the head, you know. Um, but still, there are people here in the south who don't believe what's going on. But the good thing is that Boko Haram, I didn't say good thing, I'm just being, I'm being very sarcastic right now. Boko Haram is making videos. They're making videos of behavings. They're making videos of shooting and killing Christians. So everybody's willing to see that, oh, see what's happening. But then again, they're walking to their big churches and they're, being talk, they're, telling, they're telling them that this is your year of prosperity. This is your time to, to thrive. This is your time for success. And they get numbed to what fellow believers are going through. And and okay. what is the what is the goal? What is the goal of Boko Haram? What is the goal of these uh, the kidnappings? That's an amazing what? question. That is an absolutely amazing question because you know everybody just got confused. Initially, Boko Haram actually means uh, Boko Haram actually means Western education, right? 
is wrong, right? Or is a sin. Okay, so they are against Western education. They want to establish an Islamic state, an Islamic republic, just like ISIS wanted to do. You understand? Okay, but the issue with it is that, okay, you want to establish an, an Islamic republic, an Islamic state, but it just doesn't make sense. You know, um, I, just, I just believe that what they're doing is using, I, I believe, it, first, first of all, it's completely demonic. They're using the guys of Islam, right, to just kill. They're just killing. That's how I see it. They're just killing. Because if they wanted to actually establish some, some form of Islamic state, they'll have some form of infrastructure, right, in the areas that they've been able to, you know, territories they've been able to take over. They have no infrastructure. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's no infrastructure. So if you say, okay, um, we want to we, we, we start an Islamic Republic, and then again, those who run these things, as far as I'm concerned, right, are on drugs. Because the leader, one of the leaders of Boko Haram, anytime he appears on YouTube, you can watch it yourself, his name is Shekau, right? Anytime he appears on YouTube, he's scratching his body. Do you understand? Yeah. He either has life or he's on heroin. One of the two. He either has life, right, or body life, or he's on heroin. You know, so they, they, I mean, all these guys are perpetrated. And again, I, I know I have some some soldier friends who have done tours in that area in Borono State, um, Boko Haram, and they said that anytime you know they end up fighting, they have a they have a battle and they kill. Any they, they, they discover that the Boko Haram fighters always have a lot of money in their pockets. Did you get that? Yes. They always have a lot of money in their pockets. That's very strange. Because even people like um, Al-Shabaab, Al-Shabaab don't carry money up and down. Al-Shabaab basically, you know, are not, don't, are not rich, you know. They feel they have an ideology they're pushing. But the book around, something's added to it. And it's greed. It's greed. They're being financed, right, to cause this instability. So it's a mixture, right, of, in my opinion, corrupt politicians, okay, financing them, right, and... Quranic, Quranic uh, preachers, right, fooling them with an ideology, okay, to go on rampage. So it's those two things that are working together, okay? You know, there's the politics of the North wanting to rule Nigeria. There's always been this fight between, is, there's always been this, uh, there's a dichotomy and there's, you know, there's tension between the North and the South, who will rule, who will be in charge. So that one all adds to it too. Apart from the Boko Haram, <laughs> you have what you call the Fulani herdsmen. Okay. Um, wow. Okay, we have three major kills. Are you with me, Sabak? Yes, I am. I, I mean, so okay, the thing right. is, is that, I mean, I know that you guys have these different factions, right? And, wow. And when people are we, listening. We have, when, we have Boko Haram. Yes. We have, we have what you call bandits. Yes. And then we have what we call Fulani herdsmen. Okay. Okay. So let me explain it. The bandits are basically cattle rustlers, okay, and bandits, they're robbers. They just, they just come into villages, right, and they kill, rape people's wives, take people's wives, take their food, take their money. Those are the bandits. So you find the bandits in Sokoto Zamfara, that is north, the northwestern state, Sokoto Zamfara, Katsina, um, Kaduna, and northern Niger. You find, we call them bandits. Okay. Very interesting, right? Now, so you, mm -hmm. we now also have what we call Fulani herdsmen, okay? These are people who basically are involved in grazing, 
of the animals. And because of the because of the lack of enforcement of proper grazing laws in Nigeria, okay, let's say like this. Every northerner, every big man, big man, I'm speaking pigeon English, every politician <laughs> and wealthy person, every politician and wealthy person in northern Nigeria, right, has cows. It's both part of their tradition. Do you understand? Yes. My, my president has cows. It's vice, every, every, not the vice. My president has cows. Yes. You know? Everybody from the north, they have cows. So they hand over their cows to Fulani herdsmen, right, to help them take care of the cows, you know, to shepherd the cows. You understand? Yes. And things like that. Okay. So they have. So basically, these cows go all over the country on a route. They go all over the country, and they've been walking into people's farms, eating up their 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 their, their crops and everything. And it's been causing um, friction between farmers and Fulani herdsmen. So farmers have been killing Fulani herdsmen. Fulani herdsmen have been killing farmers, and it's been going on like that for 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 a while. But then the minute. Um, we got our new president, whose name is uh, Mohamed Buhari, right? Because he's Fulani, and because he's the patron of the Fulani Herdsmen Association, all of a sudden the Fulani Herdsmen became very bold. Okay, so they started. They, so they just started stepping on everybody, stepping on people's arms, killing people, etc., etc. And because they are nomadic and they move up and down, in the midst of them, I mean, those Fulani Fulani are good people, but. There's an aspect of them that is very wrong. So those that aspect, because they roam up and down, they use it as an opportunity just to rob as they please. You understand what I'm saying? It's quite bad here in this country. It's yeah. quite bad. And let, let me ask this. is the major issue. What has what has the government what what has the government done? Have 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 you seen the government uh, do much? Not one. We we've had a situation where some Fulani herdsmen, um, some states in the southwest have passed laws that any Fulani that kidnaps or any Fulani that kills or anybody involved in kidnapping will be will get you know life imprisonment or you know death you know uh, execution or something. So they pass they're passing laws. The southwest has its own security um, apparatus now called um, Amotekun. Okay, that's the Southwest Yoruba states have their security apparatus now to help um, to work alongside with the police to secure their states against these kind of things. Okay, um, the Igbos are doing the same thing, um, but really, um, the, the Nigeria, our major problem is what we call negligence. We're brilliant people. We we have resources, but we're, we're deeply negligent as a people. Especially our government, our government is total is negligent and totally incompetent. Which results in what we call corruption. Okay, the, the, even our judiciary, that one has been bought. We have, in fact, our high, our 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 number one judge in Nigeria, right? Is basically a, a Muslim fanatic. Oh man, that I mean that that is that is. And so when you were talking about before, when yeah. you were saying that you have this quota system in place in Nigeria, where uh, those in the north who score lower actually get preference for different you can, you can. positions. Uh, do you see that in government as well, that you get preference yes. for those in the north? Oh, anybody. This is my country and these are human beings that Jesus loves. All our service chiefs, when I say service chiefs, I'm talking about military.
Forbes and everything, right? Uh, can you say that again? You came, you were broke. You you came in broken uh, up. Okay. Right. What I'm saying is that all our service chiefs, the heads of our security operators in in Nigeria, whether it's police, military, air force, and everything, all right, they are all from the north. Oh man, that? that is all. In fact, we have like we have like three of them. All of them are from where Boko Haram is working, Borno State. That's their that's their that, that's where they're from. But you can see that with. For the first time in Nigeria, all the service chiefs, right, are from the north. And for the first time in Nigeria, Nigeria is suffering such insecurity. Right, Jonathan? Yeah, yeah, and, and, and where this, what, what, what hurts about this a little bit is because you just told me earlier that the wealthy area is in the south, which is the Christian area. That means that the majority of the taxes that is used to run the government is provided by the Christians, but the majority of the government in control of Christian areas as well as Muslim areas are, are Muslim. Yes, you're right. So it's, I, I didn't, I didn't, yeah, you're right. It's, it's, I mean, that's really, really tough. And you know, what you have said really falls in line with almost everything that I see throughout history. And that is, you were talking about education and yeah, education, that's good. But whenever I see God's people and God's word spread, I see the lives of people get better. Their education gets better. Their medical system gets better. Their government gets better. Their economy gets better. And I'm not talking about a prosperity gospel. I'm just talking about the natural uh, mindset of Christians is so much different because when you go into, and it doesn't matter whether it's communist in North Korea, it doesn't matter whether it's Muslims in Iran or Iraq, um, it doesn't matter whether it's uh, Buddhist in Tibet or Bhutan. Whenever you reject God and God's people, your nation suffers from it. And when you see God's people come together in one place. It's not just God's mm-hmm. people that bless, but it's all those around them. So, I mean, the Christians in yes. the South are blessed with education from the missionaries, mm-hmm. um, like you were talking yes. about with the missionaries. But, uh, you know, there's a there's a really great yes, sir. study. Yes, sir. Well, do yes. I continue? I don't want to emphasize something. Yes, please. Now, you will hear this a, in university. You will hear this in, um, for instance, um, it's part of political science. It's part of um, history, uh, history, but they don't, they don't push it anymore. They're trying to silence it. But the missionaries are the ones who brought education. It was not the government. It was not um, the colonial powers. It wasn't Britain. It was the missionaries. Okay? Yes. It was yeah. the missionaries that brought education. Yes. The first secondary school in Nigeria was established, CMS Grammar School, was established by missionaries. Okay? I think it was 150 years ago. It was the missionary that brought education. I, I so want to emphasize this. That it's the missionary that brought education, and the reason Northern Nigeria is like that today is because they did not allow the missionaries to enter that place to establish. They kept them away. Lord God said, you can't come here. I don't want education here. Why? Because these guys are easy to rule. We don't want education to mess them up. That's what he was thinking. He just wanted what he wanted. You understand what I'm saying? You know? so yes, absolutely. Missionaries, missionaries, missionaries. The Bible says that in him was... Um, uh, the, the life, uh, first, uh, John chapter 1, yeah, and, and the life was the light of men, you know, 
missionaries, and, and even in our in our work, I'm talking missionaries. You, better, you listen as you're preaching the gospel, you're preaching it properly. These people, right, will become will live better. They will become wiser. I just want to emphasize what you're saying. The missionaries brought education, but right now they're trying to silence it in Nigeria. They're trying to like you can't change it. You can't change it. The narrative, but it's actually the missionaries that brought um, education in this country. Yeah, even all these modern modern leaders. Uh, yeah. They went to school. They went to school in schools that were started by missionaries. <laughs> is, is that okay? Yeah, no, I mean, I know exactly. You know, there is a study that is done. I would, I highly encourage um, our listeners to look at this study. It was done in 2018 uh, by Yale University. Uh, Yale University sent some professors to the Philippines and they found okay. an area in the Philippines where they studied about 6,000 different families. I think it was, it was around that. And they split up the groups. Um, they worked with a missionary group. And they split up one uh, th this one area into four different groups. Now, one group they gave they allowed pastors to go in every week for an hour and a half, which is about the length of you know a a, a, a normal church service or whatever in the West. Mm -hmm. So it's about a, an, an hour and a half per week. They would have missionaries go in and share the gospel with this group of people. The second group, mm -hmm. they would teach life skills. They would teach them you know sanitation and how to start a business and and how to do different things. Um, the third group, they did both. They gave the gospel and life skills. And then the fourth group, they didn't do anything. That was kind of like the, the stable group that they could use for the measurement, like, uh, you know, okay. to see if there's any change. So they took all four groups after one year and they evaluated those four groups to find out which group actually benefited the most, which group actually, there was one group that went up 9% further in, in economy and everything else, uh, education, um, it, it, they went flying above all the other groups. And I was blown away when I read this. I shouldn't have been, but I was. Um, it was the one group that only got the gospel. The one group that only got the gospel. Uh, and this was, you know, all of the measurements. And there's a, there's a very famous sociologist that uh, wanted to look at all of the, the nations around the world where, where refugees try to go to, which, which nations have the highest freedom index. And he wanted to find out what is the common denominator? What is it about those nations that other nations want to go to or other people, refugees and people that are mm -hmm. trying to escape economic downturn? Uh, why is it those nations that people cling to? And he looked at it and when he studied it, he saw that the biggest common denominator is the gospel message. Those nations where the gospel message was the most prevalent had the highest level of freedom index uh, for uh, the way that uh, humans were treated, the way that law officials you know, were able to maintain justice and keep the law, even down to the way that animals were treated. Um, and so what you are saying is so important. It is the impact of the mission message from Christ that makes such a difference. Now, uh, just I'm going to I'm just going to change the subject really quick as we come to an end, and and ask you, okay. <clears throat> why do you think uh, the news has largely ignored the the suffering that has been taking place with the Christians in Nigeria? 
in my opinion, it's because the the mainstream has ignored it because simply um, because of economics. It's simply because of economics. Um, uh, it's been discovered that um, oil has oil has been discovered. They say in the northeast, that's in Borno, the Chad Basin, where you have Boko Haram. So, with oil being discovered there, I'm sure that. Uh, the Western world will get involved in the fight against Boko Haram and wipe them out. Why? Because there's oil there. That's how I see it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So it's to me, it's about economics. Anything the mainstream, anything about anything the mainstream embraces has to do with commerce. It has to do with economics. Yeah. You know, if the mainstream is not embracing something, then I mean, there's no money to be made. Yeah. So, so yeah. what's going on for me is that um, they haven't seen an economic reason why they should get involved. But if there's oil there. I mean, come on, they, they're, even, they're even mining uranium. Is it uranium? What is this thing? They're mining certain things in Borneo, you yeah. know, but, yeah. and, and these other places, you know. So when, 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 I mean, when they see rules, highly viable, I think um, the mainstream media will start picking it up. But I think it's also an embarrassment, again, to the Western world, what's happening in Nigeria. It's an embarrassment. It's a total embarrassment, you know, what's happening here. Um, and, and you know, I, I think that there's, you know, the, the world has an excuse. They do not follow after Christ. But brother, I think that Christians, as Christians, we have to stand beside our brothers and sisters. When they have pain, we have pain. When they go through trial, yes. we go through trial. And their yes. message yes. is our message. And so when I, I just thank you for, for coming onto the podcast and sharing about the situation in Nigeria. Thank you for educating us on the the, the demographics of Nigeria. I think that that is good for all of us uh, to know more about the situation for our brothers and sisters in Nigeria. And my prayer is that we will be able to hopefully have you back on again and get more information uh, yes. as uh, as yes. things happen in the future. Uh, really quick, um, if somebody wants to find out more information about you and your ministry, is there a website that they can go to or what? Wh where, uh, where can they go? I'm an independent, I'm an independent um, faith missionary, so I haven't gotten to the place of, I've been doing this for 20 years, but I haven't gotten to the place of having a website. I'm on Facebook. Okay. Okay. Um, on Facebook, I'm, my name there is Olamide Dawson. That's Olamide O L A M I T E Dawson. Of course, the Western World can start Dawson D A W S O N. So um, you can find me on Facebook. Send me um, um, a message on Messenger, Facebook Messenger, and then we can we can get up from there. Excellent. So that's that's one of the easiest ways to reach me. Excellent. Thank you so much, brother. It was great to All talk right. with you. It was great to you. hear Thank your you. passion you. and your desire to see the gospel get into the northern area. And uh, thank you for sharing thank about the persecution of the Christians God in Nigeria. Bless God bless thank you, you as well. Thank you for the privilege. All right. Bless you. Bye-bye. And thank you so much for joining us for another Back to Jerusalem podcast. Again, I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Sweden. God bless you.